Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, here's WBEN's Dave Debo. What a week it is to talk politics. This was the week where both President Trump and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer sparred back and forth quite a bit, of course, in the wake of the shutdown, talking a lot about immigration. Looking ahead to next week, of course, President Trump delivers the State of the Union address on Tuesday. Immigration is expected to be part of that. We're going to be talking about immigration this morning with Matthew Colkin, national expert, local immigration attorney from Colkin & Colkin. Also on the agenda today, this was the week where Joseph Percoco's trial ended at least not the full week, but a couple days this week. We're going to dig into that with Politico.com's Jimmy Vielkind out of Albany. And speaking of Albany, this one's getting kind of interesting. Remember during the State of the State address that Governor Cuomo made, he talked about tax reform. He talked about trying to restore some of the deductions that were taken away by federal tax reform. One of the plans to do that is to create a, and I have to use the air quotes here. This is radio, so imagine my fingers doing this. The charity. He's going to try and create a charity that would allow us to donate money to New York State and then deduct that. That would go to fund state government and then deduct that on your taxes because the IRS would then look at it as a charity. We're going to talk about that and some other things, too, with Assemblyman Robin Schiminger. He's actually got a plan to make this work. We're going to see how that works coming up at the back end of the program right before we hand it off to Meet the Press at 12 noon. But let's dig into immigration. I'd like to start by looking at what President Trump proposed this week, even though we all know uh, yesterday on, on uh, rather uh, Friday, uh, Senator Schumer basically said this is not something that will fly. But in the process, I want to talk about all the issues that have been put out there on the table. And to do that, let's bring in Matthew Colkin, immigration attorney, Colkin and Colkin here in Buffalo. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. I want to talk about what the president proposed and look at, because this is obviously a national proposal, because this is a discussion that's taking place at the national level, I imagine our view of it here might be different, or some of the impacts around here might be different. We're obviously on the Canadian border, not necessarily the southwest border, but I think the way people look at immigration is different up here. So I want to get to that. Let's start with the first part of the president's proposal, and we're going to hear more about this because it is all fluid. Again, the Senate has sort of rejected it out of hand already, at least uh, Senator Schumer has. Border security. He wants to secure the southern and northern border. This is from the White House. Southern and northern border take a combination of physical infrastructure, technology, personnel, resources. Basically, he's talking about the wall here. $25 billion for the wall. I don't think I've asked you this before. Is the wall a good idea in your, in your uh, point of view? Uh, I think that the most effective wall is a, is a legal immigration system that works, that reduces the amount of individuals that are trying to come to the United States the wrong way. Um, I, I, it's, there's the saying that if you build a 10-foot wall, someone's going to build an 11-foot ladder. Um, I would rather see those funds put towards um, enhancing boots on the ground, give the Border Patrol the tools necessary to make sure that, uh, that the uh, unsecure parts of the southern border are fortified. And, um, and that way we would know 
coupled with obviously uh, a new legal immigration system to allow people, the workers that we need to come to the United States the right way, I think that that would be a better a better use of uh, of taxpayer dollars. Do we have a porous border? Well, it's it's uh, it's a lot closer now, or clo- close a lot more close now than it was before President Trump took office. The statistics show that. Um, unlawful immigration initially was down. It has gone back up again. Uh, but uh, the, the reality is we want we want to have our resources dedicated towards going after real bad guys, people that are, are coming in trying to um, uh, import illegal drugs, uh, potentially terrorists. If our, if our Customs and Border Protection resources are focused on those individuals because people that are just coming here to work can come here the right way, it, it will make the border a lot more secure. All right. The second point on the White House uh, plan released early this week, legalization of DACA. Um, let, let's do some basic discussion here. What is DACA? And and the part that I really wanted to get into, because I, I, I hear a lot of different things in the media. There are dreamers and then there are DACA people. There's two different groups here. What are we talking about? Give me the, the, the DACA 101 if you can. Well, uh, dreamers are uh, the, the, the general category of individuals uh, who came to the United States as minors with their parents through no fault of their own. Uh, DACA is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and that was implemented by President Obama, which gave them a temporary um, reprieve from deportation and employment authorization. Uh, it basically was a provision of law that stated that uh, it actually wasn't a provision of law. It was, a, it was an executive action that was taken that allowed individuals who were here illegally that came before a certain age and uh, before a certain time to apply for um, a, a to basically turn themselves in and apply for employment authorization. And the president wants a 12-year, give or take, path to citizenship for these folks as long as there's a criminal record review, that sort of thing, as long as there are certain eligibility requirements there. He wants to uh, basically adjust the time frame as well to encompass what he says 1.8 million individuals. Are there that many DACA kids out there? There could be. Um, it's hard to tell whether or not the numbers uh, that we hear, you know, we've heard 11 million undocumented people in the United States. I don't really know how they calculate those numbers. How could you when so many of those people are in the shadows? Are you aware of any around here? Do you think there are some around here? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, and, and the typical face of, uh, of a dreamer d- doesn't have to be someone from Mexico or from one of the Central American countries. There are there are a lot of Canadians here that came to the United States with their children. I want to say a lot, but there are there are examples of it anecdotally uh, of of Canadians that have been here and have children that have come with them and that are in the United States in violation of law. Have you dealt with them? Do you try to get them on the road to citizenship? What options do they have now without DACA uh, in place? That's the problem. The way the law was created um, and signed by President Clinton, it. it, it it penalizes individuals that are inside of the United States without authorization. In most instances, they're not eligible to apply for legal status if they have violated their status from inside of the country. They have to leave the country. But the problem then is it's a catch-22. If they've been in the United States for more than a year with unlawful presence, if they depart, they immediately trigger a 10-year bar, which is difficult to overcome unless they have a qualifying relative uh, who would cause an extreme hardship to 
It's interesting you say that because one of the arguments I've heard is that some of these DACA, air quotes, kids are in their 30s. Um, why haven't they up till this point applied for citizenship and got themselves right with the government? You're saying that the system is such that they really can't? Yeah, they've been trapped inside of the United States by President Clinton. And does the lifting or at least suspension of DACA, President Trump pulled it because it wasn't authorized by Congress and he wants to see them go ahead and do that. Does the lifting of that change the status for them? Could they now raise their hand and say, hey, okay, I, yeah, I'm an illegal, but I want to make it right now? Well, they can do that at any time just because they have DACA. Uh, that doesn't mean that they wouldn't be eligible to um, uh, to potentially depart the United States and, and get in line, as they say, which is, you know, 10 years or longer in some instances. Um, basically, for these kids, most of them, if they leave the United States, they're not coming back for another 10 years. All right. They've lived their entire life here. They've been banished from this country. And, and, I, and there are many people that say, hey, you know, if you, if you didn't do it the right way, then maybe you should leave the United States. But there are humanitarian concerns. Let's say, hypothetically, you are someone that came to the U.S., you, you snuck into the United States with your parents many, many years ago and you're not eligible for DACA, et cetera, but you've married a United States citizen, have United States citizen children, and uh, have never committed a crime. You've just The only crime that was, the only violation that you have was the fact that you were brought here as a child with your parents, um, and you couldn't be charged with, for that criminally. Those individuals, uh, I mean, it's destroying lives. It's not just destroying the individual, but potentially the children of United States citizens. So wave Matthew Culkin's magic wand. What reform is required? I would create a guest worker program that allows individuals to come to the United States to work in uh, in designated industry that it, Congress has allocated uh, numbers for because there's clearly a shortage of workers. I would couple that with um, the lifting of the three- or ten-year bars for individuals that can establish a hardship to a qualifying relative. And I would increase uh, some visa numbers to allow individuals to be able to get in line and, and so that when they get in line, it's not uh, a penalty for them so that they can do it the right way. They can get their fingerprints taken. We can find out exactly who they are, whether or not they have any undesirable uh, uh, criminal history that would make them ineligible to remain in this country. Let's, let's get people on the, uh, on the books here. And I would also potentially provide a way for individuals uh, to have a temporary lawful status in the interim that's renewable so that they can start paying taxes and doing all the things that American citizens do. All right. Now, one of the other points from the White House, protecting the nuclear family, the president says he wants to uh, promote nuclear family migration, basically limiting family uh, sponsorships to spice, uh, spouses, rather, spouses and minor children. He also says they have to uh, not do this retroactively, but process the backlog. The whole idea of the backlog is one of the things you mentioned in the discussion just a moment ago about DACA. Well, that's, there's people that basically, if you're, if you're not a, a part of the nuclear family, if you're not an immediate relative of a United States citizen, let's say you're an adult child of a, of, of, of a United States citizen and, and have to wait, married, etc., depending on what country you're from, it could be five to ten years before you're eligible to t- come to the United States. So some of the rhetoric I heard this week, some senator, and I, I, I forgive me, I don't recall who on the floor, was uh, railing against it all, saying something about second and third cousins, da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, does that actually happen? Um, no, they, 
those second and third cousins aren't eligible to come. It's basically uh, parents, um, if you're if you're over 21 years of age and you're a United States citizen, you can sponsor your parents, your, you can sponsor your spouse, you can sponsor your minor children, and then there's waiting lines if you're, um, it, it, the, the most remote relationship is a brother or sister of a United States citizen. All right. Now, the last point the White House put out earlier this week, eliminate lottery and repurpose visas. Uh, riddled with fraud and abuse does not serve the national interest, the White House says. Eliminate the lottery and reallocate the visas to reduce the family-based backlog and also the high-skilled employment backlog. Comment on that a little bit. Uh, talk about the lottery and talk about this whole concept, because it's, it's kind of embedded in there when he says high-skilled employment backlog, this whole concept of merit-based immigration. Well, to start with the lottery, which is what you brought up first, uh, that was actually, um, it was designed to get Irish immigrants into the United States by, uh, by Senator Kennedy. Um, I think if there's going to be a casualty of the immigration reform debate, the diversity lottery can go away. It's not something that um, de- if Democrats are going to dig their heels on, they shouldn't be dig- uh, heels in, they shouldn't be digging them in on, on a diversity visa lottery, which is basically individuals that have, are from certain designated countries where there's a low number of individuals in the United States from those countries as immigrants, and they can literally apply for a lottery. Um, and if they win it, they can apply for a visa if they're eligible. That should that could probably go away. I, I wouldn't lose any hoop over it, to be honest with you. I mean, in a perfect world, it wouldn't go away, but you got to negotiate. Um, and uh, as for skilled visas, there's a real problem. It's called an H-1B visa, which allows individuals that are going to be employed in a capacity that requires a minimum of a, a four-year degree. Um, there's only 65,000 of those visas available each year. There's a 20,000 visa carve-out for people with advanced degrees. I think what you need to do is you need to expand those numbers, but specifically designate what um, uh, areas of employment uh, an individual would qualify for, and let Congress go to uh, uh, go to work to to assess. Okay, these are the industries where we really don't have those workers. And on the other side of things, I think we really need to probably uh, uh, prioritize um, individuals that are American citizens to go into those types of fields. If those jobs are uh, are available, people should be motivated to uh, to to get qualified to take them. 803-0930 is the number. Immigration attorney Matthew Colkin is with us. You've probably seen him on some national programs here and there. He is a local immigration attorney here in the Buffalo area, breaking down all the things that the White House has proposed. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk more about the politics of it all. We just went through bullet point by bullet point what the White House has proposed. But on Friday, the U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer basically said that uh, President Trump and the Republicans cannot be allowed to use the Dreamers as a bargaining chip. All the proposals we were just talking about now, uh, he says, are pretty much dead on arrival. So we'll talk about the politics. We'll talk about where it goes next. Stay with us. And your calls, too. 803-0930 is the number. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Read the news online at WBEN.com. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good morning. This is Dave Debo. Matthew Colkin is with us from the immigration attorney firm Colkin and Colkin. Matthew, who's right in all of this debate? Can we really carve it up into, and this is kind of a rhetorical question, I know, uh, can we carve it up into the really hard left and hard right positions that, that it has become? Um, is President Trump right? Is, is Senator Schumer right? Uh, what's the middle ground there if you see one? I think everyone's wrong, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that 
Uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans benefit from there being no immigration reform. The Democrats benefit uh, because they're able to cast the Republicans as anti-immigrants who are obstructing reform. And the Republicans, frankly, benefit because their base wants mass deportations. Uh, so if they concede, then they are looking to be moving to the left. Uh, President Trump, uh, obviously, one of the central components of his campaign was um, a very aggressive stance towards uh, illegal immigration. Um, so the, the reality is I, I don't believe that there is uh, the will in Washington to really find a middle-of-the-road solution. Do you think it's possible, in light of what you just said, that during the uh, Tuesday State of the State address, that President Trump can come forward with some sort of middle ground and pull the two sides together, uh, the grand negotiator, the art of the deal, all that? Well, what I saw with, with President Trump when he was sitting in, uh, in the Oval Office, or not in the Oval Office, but in the White House, uh, and they had both, uh, both sides together in a room, that was compelling television. Uh, if we see that President Trump, I think that there is the possibility that some sort of a deal can be struck. But during that very same meeting, after he said, hey, you guys come up with something, I'll sign it, then some of the Republicans kind of whispered literally in his ear and said, uh, President, aren't you aware that our position has been thus and such? And he kind of flipped more toward the thus and such. Yeah, his position has been malleable, to say the least. Uh, I, I I, I don't have a lot of faith that we're going to be seeing uh, any new law in the next two years. Is there a way to do this without the political process? Can it be done uh, administratively and therefore not get the kind of uh, back-and-forth bickering where both sides uh, appeal to their base? Well, absolutely. There are legal mechanisms that can be taken advantage of, uh, especially in the context of a removal proceeding. Uh, a crafty immigration lawyer can figure out a way generally to solve the problem, the question becomes uh, who the individual is and what the fact pattern is. So uh, there is a way that you can solve uh, problems of dreamers. It's not going to solve the problem of every every dreamer, uh, but uh, there is a significant percentage of individuals that are in the United States without documentation who, if uh, if I saw an immigration court, I could craft a solution towards uh, towards legality. But that sounds like a case-by-case sort of thing. Is there an overreaching policy that can be done on the administrative level? Absolutely. There's something called parole in place, which is uh, which was taken advantage of by both President uh, Bush as well as President Obama for certain individuals, individuals who have relatives uh, that were in the military, which basically confers um, uh, a, a status to, to you that would allow you to adjust in the United States from that of undocumented to that of a green card if you have an employer who wants to sponsor you or a family member that wants to sponsor you. So if they want to expand that and on a case-by-case basis allow individuals to, uh, to establish that they, they merit a favorable exercise of discretion to be paroled into the country, then if they could otherwise uh, legalize inside of the country using the existing legal mechanisms, they could get green cards. All right, we've got a lot to get to. We're only uh, halfway through. We have to take a break for news. More with Matthew Colkin after this. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good morning. This is Dave Debo. Matthew Colkin is with us, national commentator on a lot of immigration issues. Uh, Matt, I think I've seen you once or twice at least on Fox News, haven't I? Yes, you have. CNN as well. 
Yeah, I've done uh, all the major networks. Uh, they, for some reason, want to listen to what I have to say. <laughs> and at the same time, you're a guy that practices here in the Buffalo area, Colkin and Colkin, Colkin local uh, immigration firm. We're going to get to the calls in just a second here, but I've got to ask you, and this one came in to, to me on Facebook, uh, what differences do you see in Western New York immigration issues compared to the rest of the state or even the southern states, and how is that driving perceptions of immigrants in the country? Uh, do we look at things differently here? Do we have different issues we face here? Well, actually, I think Buffalo is a microcosm of uh, the entire uh, country when it comes to um, the problems that we're facing. We have uh, the medical corridor, which obviously is in need of of, uh, of high-skilled immigrant uh, labor, uh, doctors, etc. Uh, we have um, farms that are in the western New York area that that need uh, uh, migrant labor to to make sure that we're not uh, we're not spending exorbitant amounts of money for for milk, etc. And um, we have obviously uh, a lot of restaurants. Buffalo like our Buffalo likes our food, so we have we have immigrants that are are working in in those types of kitchens. And that's interesting because I think a lot of people really think of this as more of a southern border issue. No, no well, I mean that's what people that's the perception. But we're a northern border city, so we have a lot of those problems and a lot of those uh, those people that are here. Are there more illegals coming in from the south than the north? Uh, oh, yeah, but there's also a significant percentage, and I don't recall right off the top of my head what it is, of individuals that are here without documentation that overstayed visas. They didn't walk over the southern border or the northern, northern border. They came here as visitors and just never left. Isn't there a cross, and I, again, this is kind of rhetorical, GMAT, isn't there a, a, a cross-reference system? Can't they know when someone's visa expires? Well, uh, yes, they, they do know when someone's visa expires, but the question becomes whether or not they have the resources uh, to expand immigration enforcement to ensure that anyone that came here with a visa has departed when they're required to do so. 803-0930 is the number. To the phones we go. John in Rochester, you've been waiting a while. I appreciate that. Go ahead. You're on the air now. Hey, Dave. Hey, Matthew. Matthew, i got to say, i got to disagree with you on the wall. Uh, I you know, I know the wall's not realistic if they have some physical barriers, such as a, a long river or a deep river or uh, some cliffs, that type of thing. But the wall is is uh, would be a big deterrent. If, if somebody walks up to a 30-foot wall, that's going to deter a lot of people. You're going to have a certain minority that will try to try to use a 40-foot ladder or whatever you're saying. But with electronic surveillance plus that barrier, Israel has been very successful at a wall. Uh, in in their lands, and and I think that's under the wall is understated. But my bigger question to you is this: Caesar Chavez, who was a uh, founder of the United Farm Workers back in the fifties and the sixties, he was very active in uh, promoting anti illegal immigration. He actually formed posse's of his farm workers to help the U.S. government uh, keep these illegal aliens out of the country because he realized uh, they are having a negative effect on the wages and salaries of hardworking people and and that's everything that seems to be missed here and the labor unions uh in general uh support uh the, the posture of the left here in america as far as illegal immigration it's amazing what are your thoughts i oppose illegal immigration i am 100 percent opposed to it i think people should be coming to the united states the right way um, I know my my wife's family came to the United States the right way. I don't 
I think anyone should be coming to the U.S. in violation of law. I agree with you. Other than their direct support of Democrats, which I'm sure John would, would be more than happy to elaborate for us, do you see labor unions involved in this issue, Matthew? Well, uh, traditionally, that's the reason why um, that's the reason why they haven't wanted to have immigration reform. The Democrats were beholden to those labor unit unions, and that's what happened back uh, when McCain and Kennedy were trying to uh, to change the immigration law. Uh, it was then Senator Obama introduced a poison pill that uh, that killed a, a very uh, tenuous deal that had been struck. So. Uh, the labor unions have been in control. ACLU um, has let their feelings be be known about that. All right, John, thanks for that. I want to bring up one of the things that that you raised, the idea that that the wall is necessary. It seems as if, and, and this is reading once again right from the bullet points, right from the White House, when he was talking earlier this week about uh, putting a platform out there to try and address immigration. It appears as if Donald Trump was, yes, talking about the wall, but moving maybe a little bit more toward the idea that it's a metaphor. Here's the bullet point on border security. And it sounds like it's saying a wall, but it also sounds like it's saying some of the things you were talking about, John. Securing the southern and northern border of the United States takes a combination of physical infrastructure, wall, technology, personnel, resources, authorities, and the ability to close legal loopholes exploited by smugglers, traffickers, etc. So there seems to be maybe a little bit of a migration away from the idea of an actual physical barrier that could be uh, conquered by just a taller ladder. Are you okay with that, Matthew? Absolutely. I mean, I I just don't want taxpayer dollars to be wasted on something that makes us look silly. Uh, And when I'm talking about looking silly, looking silly when it's an easy uh, obstacle to get either over or under. So I I just, I'm, I'm... I'm extremely hesitant to waste taxpayer dollars on something that isn't going to work. Earlier in the program, you spoke of the H-1B visa that that farmers have to use. Uh, I know that Congressman Chris Collins, who is certainly a supporter of President Trump, has talked about what that means for uh, his constituents out in a district that stretches really rural toward Canandaigua. Uh, Do we see issues on the farms around here? And what should be done in your mind with the H-1B visa program? It's actually H-2B, but... Okay, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I see it all the time. I have uh, em- uh, employers, people that own farms, come to my office all the time saying that they're willing to hire as many individuals, U.S. citizen or non-U.S. citizen, as they can get to work on their uh, work on their properties, but they can't find the numbers. So we clearly have a, uh, a labor shortage and um, the only way that we're going to be able to fill it is if we loosen our immigration laws to allow those specific industries to benefit. How does the H-2B work now, and what needs to be done to make it better? It's a nightmare. Uh, it requires – there's more flaming hoops than Barnum and Bailey Circus to, to get an H-2B. So they need to make it simple. They just basically need to create – uh, a new law that says if you are in this industry, we have designated that there's already a shortage of labor. All you have to do is file a petition with USCIS to sponsor someone to come to the United States. And if you find uh, uh, an employee that's willing to take the job, they can just apply for a visa and they can enter. It should be as simple as that. But in the process, uh, the president ran so long, so hard on the idea of restricting immigration because of the security risks there. 
Can we do what you just proposed without getting in the bad hombres, as he's called them? Well, I, I mean, I don't know of any citizens of Mexico that have committed a terrorist act on the United States. All right. Uh, this came in on our text line just a minute ago. I'm a farmer. We don't need government involvement. Uh, to what degree do you see that sentiment out there that uh, they would rather maybe just hire an illegal or not have the government getting more involved, just let things happen? Well, you can't have individuals in the United States that are working illegally. I, I, I mean, I'm opposed to that. I want people on the books. I want people paying taxes. They can be taken advantage of. It's not just the employer that uh, is suffering. It's Hypothetically, you've got an employee that is scared to death to, of of coming forward, and they're being they're being uh, taken advantage of on their fa- on their on the farm or whatever their whatever business it is. Uh, they need to have some recourse as well. All right, let's uh, go back to the phones here. Bob in Buffalo, you're up now. Hi. Uh, good morning. Uh, I don't believe there's. I agree with your uh, guest. I don't think there's any real desire on the part of the left or the right to solve the immigration problem. The the, the left wants a new voting block. Uh, they wanted this an election issue every time there's an election. And the, the, the Chamber of Commerce and the donors uh, to the Republican Party they, and the elites on the Republican Party, they want cheap, they want cheap labor. That, that's no mystery. We have whole sections of southern Florida where, there's, where they speak only uh, Spanish. You know, there's 24 counties along the border of the uh, U.S. and Mexico, and many of those counties look more like Mexico than they do the United States. Uh, my question for your guests, oh, by the way, your guests might want to talk to Kate Stanley's family. Uh, and, the, and the victims of, of uh, illegal, Ill, illegal immigrants who've come over to this country and committed crimes. Uh, the question for your guest is, what is his position as sanctuary cities, counties, and states? Thanks very much. All right. Uh, certainly, and we'll get to the, the crime angle, but uh, certainly sanctuary cities have become an issue nationwide. What do you think should be done there, Matthew? Well, I think that, uh, that if there's an individual that's in the United States uh, without documentation that has committed a crime, that... Uh, that criminal law should be enforced, and the the U.S. immigration law should be enforced. I'm not against the enforcement of U.S. immigration law. Is it a misnomer to say that there are illegals in this nation uh, committing crimes to the extent that it needs a new policy? If you look at the immigrant communities, percentage-wise, they commit fewer crimes than the United States born community. So uh, I'm not saying that undocumented immigrants don't commit terrible crimes, which they should be punished for and they should be deported for. But the the percentage is actually lower than the American general population. All right. We're almost late for our break. Let's uh, squeeze in one quick call before that. Rambo Jim, Jim in North Tonawanda. Hello. Yeah, I'm going to have to give you guys a history lesson because your guest here doesn't know his history. The Roman occupation of Britannia lasted 400 years, four centuries. The only time the Roman army took any casualties was when they attempted to advance north of Hadrian's Wall. Hadrian's Wall was effective for 400 years. They stopped the barbarians from inflicting any casualties to speak of as the Romans stayed on the south side of that wall. Hadrian's Wall proves that walls work. Every time the Romans built a wall, it worked. Matthew, what do you say? You can't have a country without a border, and walls work. Well, I think that there uh, there are walls that have worked in history, but I mean we're a little bit further away from the incident that was uh, that was that was cited than uh, than, than than not. I, look, this is this is the bottom line for me. Um, if if you hear about the tunnel systems and throwing drugs over the walls, etc., I'm not necessarily opposed to a barrier in certain areas where 
it's clear that it would make it easier for the Border Patrol to, uh, uh, to enforce our immigration laws. But it's, a wall by itself is not going to solve the problem. You need to cut off the magnet and or provide a legal way for people to come to the United States. Cut off the magnet. What do you mean there? I'm sorry? Cut off the magnet. What do you mean there? Well, cut off the magnet of, of jobs that are being uh, offered to um, to individuals below the, the the value of the service. If you're gonna if you're gonna pay a non-United States citizen four dollars an hour, and you have to pay um, a U.S. citizen fifteen dollars an hour, obviously there's a problem there because capitalism is such where you you want to have uh, cheap labor. I mean, there's no question about it. You need to cut off that magnet. You need to make sure. And I'm not for mandatory minimum wages or the ex, uh, the the uh, the increase in mandatory minimum wages. You just you need to find a situation where the immigration law is is changed so that employers don't have to look outside of the United States always. All right. We have to take a break. We'll be back with more calls after this. Matthew Colkin is with us for about another 10 minutes. After that, by the way, we're going to talk about uh, developments in Albany this past week coming up uh, after the news at 11 o'clock. Stay with us. Much more to come. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. This is Dave Debo. Closing minutes here with Matthew Colkin, immigration attorney in Buffalo at Colkin and Colkin. Uh, if you want to follow, he's got some neat commentary and blogs out there, too. If you want to follow him on Twitter, that's at M. Colkin. Let's go back to the phones. We'll try to squeeze in the final two here. Charles in Hamburg, you're up now. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, I was wondering uh, about some other related issues to this immigration uh, discussion here, like uh, the, the recent bill proposed by Bob Goodlatte, where basically... Uh, all of us will have to have what amounts to a national ID card. This came up uh, under President Obama and others, and uh, it's what got it shot down. Why, if we're looking at immigrants, do we have to be targeted with, uh, you know, being asked for ID uh, with, with our uh, our retina scan, fingerprints, and so on? Um, also, I've not been hearing anything about uh, the number of. Uh, Immigrants that are on public assistance. All right. On that last one, what is it that you'd like to know? Are you asking me or him? Uh, him, I guess. And then we'll get you to respond, Matthew. I, I did not hear it. Sorry. On that last question, what is it you want to know? Just how many of them are there, whether it's an issue or not, the idea of immigrants on public assistance? Isn't this part of the problem that the magnet your guest was talking about is where where you get uh, 50 to 60 percent of the immigrants coming here, and then they're just on uh, welfare. All right. Matthew, what about that? Uh, undocumented immigrants aren't eligible for, for welfare. However, their children who are United States citizens obviously would be able to benefit in the same way that U.S. citizens would be able to benefit. In in, in some ways, his, his, uh, his call there cuts to something that came up, obviously, about two weeks ago when, when President Trump uh, was accused of saying that some countries— are like latrines, and why are we letting people in from latrine countries? Um, is there a problem if we've got a lot of immigration coming in from impoverished areas? Are we just therefore then increasing the welfare rolls? Well, if you look historically at uh, at how this country was was founded, it was founded on the backs of immigrants. Look at look at this our own community, the refugee com- communities that are coming from the very areas that President Obama, excuse me, President Trump. Um, has disparaged, uh, they have revitalized entire areas of our city. 
they work hard. Immigrants come to this country not for for welfare, but for a better life, for not only for themselves, but for their children. And are there opportunities, legitimate opportunities for them now? I, I understand the historical analogy, but we're not building the transcontinental railroad anymore, are we? Well, no, but they, they, they move to areas that are generally lower-income areas. They create their own businesses, and they revitalize those areas in doing so. They become self-employed, and they are wonderful. Look at the west side of Buffalo. I was just going to say, around Grant Street area. Sure, go ahead. Uh, well, th- that was a place that people didn't venture 15 years ago with any frequency. There was Gershios, and, and, that, and, and you, know, you would go to uh, Lenovo. And now you go there, and there's just wonderful stores and restaurants. And it's, uh, it's, obviously it's got, it still has uh, room to improve, but it's, that's all due to, to refugees. All right, what about what the caller was saying regarding a national ID card? Are you, do you see any merit in that? I'm a thousand percent opposed to a national ID card. Why? Uh, well, I'm a libertarian at heart, and I don't like the idea of, of, of the government requiring American citizens to show their papers to be able to work or to be able to, uh, to travel or to be able to purchase something. But in the process, wouldn't we be able to know who's here legitimately and who's not? Well, you can. We can already do that through an I nine employment verification form. You're not. Employers aren't supposed to be hiring people unless they verify that they're in the United States legally. All right, I'm. I'm going to take a risk here. We've got about a minute and a half left. Marty in Hamburg, if you're quick, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, quick one. Uh, I heard that uh, Mexico has a wall on their south border. I did not know that. Uh, what 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 are you aware of in that regard, Matthew? I I. I I'm not all that familiar with it. I've heard the same. I mean, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent opposed to a wall. I'm. I'm opposed to the wasting of taxpayer dollars on something that, if it's not going to work, if 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 they can create something that's going to actually stop the illegal flow of drugs and, and terrorism, I'm. I, I don't oppose that. But I don't want to see billions and billions of dollars wasted on something that can be easily circumvented. So, in that regard, it sounds as if you're almost in agreement with the idea of the wall as a metaphor for border security. You want border security. Absolutely. I don't want people coming in the United States illegally. All right. Uh, 30 seconds left. Quick prediction, maybe specific to Tuesday's State of the Union, but in general, where do you see this going? I don't see it going very far. Um, I, I think both sides are going to rattle their sabers, and we're going to be no further along than we were in 1996 when the law changed. All right. Thanks for uh, – <laughs> I guess we can say thanks for that. Matthew Culkin, glad to have you with us uh, Colkin and Colkin. And again, is your blog on the site or do we do it through Twitter at M. Colkin? Yeah, you can go to uh, my Twitter uh, at M. Colkin to see all my blogs. All right. Interesting stuff. Glad you were able to join us this morning. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.